Morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Joe B. Okay, now this is the day because it is your birthday. It is my birthday. Have you got one? I'll, I'll try this one, okay? Okay. Are you ready? They kind of look like you. <laughs> Sticks? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> From the front or the side? <laughs> they are absolutely colorful and uh, good looking. Happy birthday, dear. Happy birthday to me. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Do you know what day of the week you were born? Why do I think it was Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? No? What day was it? Friday, my favorite day of the week. Friday. That's the reason it's my. F I always wondered oh my why gosh. Friday was my favorite day of the week, but September fourth, nineteen forty-two, was a Friday. Friday, yes. My poor mother said that they said I was going to be born on the fourth, so she got up that morning, took a shower, and went to bed. <laughs> and I said, "What do you mean you went to bed?" She said, "I just got in bed and waited." Mm -hmm. and I said, "Well, okay, mm -hmm. that's the way to do it." Women back then had very little information about the human body, did they? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Evidently none. Mm -hmm. Evidently none. Because my grandmother, Payne, <laughs> talking about births, uh, she said she got pregnant every time Papal, that's what we called him, hung his overalls on the bedpost. She said every time he hung his Overall, so I didn't know exactly how to take that. But anyway, she had three kids, so he must have found some other place to put his <laughs> overalls. Well, she apparently knew how to take it. Yeah, <laughs> evidently, yeah. <laughs> yes. Are there any other facts you remember that your parents or anybody told you about the day you were born? Uh, Mom saying that she went to bed and waited, and I guess the contractions started <laughs> on time. And... Um, but she was in a lot of pain, I think, because I was coming the wrong way. Breach. Yep. And uh, she said the doctor worked with her for a long time, she said, turning me. Finally, I was born. Dr. Walter Alvis, and I think she was telling me that Dr. Alvis's son, who was also a doctor, came out and assisted. May have. I didn't know that much, but she probably told you that when she was talking about her autobiography, wasn't she? Yeah, we were here one winter day, uh, winter in Arizona, you know, yeah. got down to uh, 80, 82 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a Jag book. She said, am I in it? And I said, you're going to be. And uh, we spent the better part of a day of her just talking about her life. And she was telling me about the day you were born and that uh, Dr. Alvis came out and the problems persisted, that you were breached. And uh, said uh, his son came with him. So, yeah, you're going to have to read Jack book. I know. One of these days, I don't have anything else to do. I'll just sit down and read a chapter at a time because it'll take a while. <laughs> mm. So what's your zodiac sign? Virgo. Mm -hmm. And what's your dominant planet? I have no idea. Mercury. Mercury. Is that good or bad? Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> what is your birthstone? Uh, it is uh, uh, the sapphire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And what is your flower? I have no idea. It a is. A red rose? <laughs> <laughs> it is poison ivy. Poison? <laughs> That's not a flower. <laughs> it is uh, the aster myosetus, which is a member of the daisy family. Yes. I did not know that, but I fear that because I love daisies. I mean, from the simple little ones that you see that are just kind of wild out to uh, daisies are very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, there's several things in this uh, study of your birthday that you're going to love. Oh. Uh, what generation were you? All the different names of <laughs> generations. You you know what uh, the one who preceded you were the GI generations. Now, do you know what your generation was? Uh, no. You're the silent generation. Silent? Mm-hmm. Is that the reason I don't talk very much? It's the reason you talk so <laughs> slowly and so uh, quietly. It's really? The silent generation? Yeah, and the reason is, is Senator Joseph McCarthy was uh, on to the communist, and he was accusing everyone of being communist. Young people uh, of that generation uh, decided to keep their mouth shut. They were afraid to talk. So uh, they were too young for World War II to fight in the war, and they were too old to enjoy the summer of love. I did not know that. Well, tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, I got everything you want to know about your generation. Yeah, I know nothing. (laughs) Things that were invented on September 4th, 1942. Oh. The slinky. Oh, my gosh, really? hmm Yeah, I had several of those. hmm Yeah, they are um, fascinating. You can't help but hold one and just continually mop it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The invention of Velcro. Velcro. I don't remember using Velcro back then, but that's, yeah, okay. It was just invented, and what a revolutionary uh, idea. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? The first Jeep came off the assembly line, 1942. They probably made it for the war, didn't they? That's the reason you always, you and Samantha always wanted a Jeep. Absolutely. Still do when I see one, it's so cute. Yes. Something that you have a lot of, Tupperware. The first piece of Tupperware. (laughs) Oh, yes. I remember, I think I had several Tupperware parties and attended several. My grandmother, uh, Neil, she had every piece there was. I mean, even to the tiny now that's a collector's item, little salt and pepper shakers. Yeah, I think I have one of them here. Oh, yes, she, she was queen of Tupperware. What what did the Tupperware party consist of? It's just, uh, I think that's the first parties like that that started the whole uh, party thing where you go in and buy stuff. Now you buy jewelry, you buy clothes, you buy, I don't know what all. Um, you just went and you saw, usually they had what they call a demonstrator who would bring in Tupperware everything and set it up on a table and then she would go through it and talk about it and tell you why you needed this and the lettuce crisper and you know the big uh, containers to store your food you could freeze your food in them and all that stuff and then they begin to have little decorative things like they would have uh, cake stands made out of it and they would have uh, traveling you know cake things with covers on them and handles on them and everything. And uh, my grandmother was 
I mean, a fanatic. She, Grandma Neal? My Grandma Neal. She had all of them. Whenever I go into our Tupperware drawer, mm-hmm. our Tupperware closet, mm-hmm. there is never a lid to the Tupperware I want. Well, you know what I've been doing lately is um, I put the lid that goes with it after I dry it, mm-hmm. and I put the lid on it and just throw it in the yeah. cupboard. Yeah. That way when I pick up something, it does have a lid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do too, but whenever I want something, the size that I want has no lid, <laughs> and I can't even find the lid in there. I've many times oh. just rake them all out in the floor. I think that's what happened. You've already tossed the lid. The first Frisbee was thrown on September 4th, 1942. Yeah. I've never had any good luck with the Frisbee. It does not go where I want it to go. And then, too, I can't catch it. <laughs> 1942 was the year of, oh, you're going to love this, the year of the horse. Really? Yes, I do love that. So what was your first remembrance of a horse? My very first one uh, would be a picture that I saw where I was sitting on a horse and my grandparents and my folks were sitting on horses and had little these little tiny pictures that you used to make with a little Kodak camera. But my first memory is um, my grandfather had kind of like a strawberry roan colt. Uh, I guess it was more horse. And he used to line lunge it, you know, have it on a long rope and uh, make it run around him for exercise and everything. And I wanted to ride it. And so my grandpa, Neil, put me up on this horse. And the next thing I know, I may have kicked him or done something, and I come flying off of the <laughs> horse, and it knocked the breath out of me. And it scared my grandpa to death. And, uh, and I always remember uh, someone beating me, like, on my back so I could get my breath again. That's my first memory of horse. When I think about another, we had a horse named Tony, and um, the horse was um, a spotted horse, as you call it, beautiful, cute little thing, and uh, he got lockjaw. And um, then there really wasn't a cure for it unless you could find a horse that had had lockjaw and had gotten over it. And my dad found one someplace up north in Illinois. And he went up there and, I guess, got blood transfusion from the horse or whatever and brought it back, and we gave it to our horse, and and, uh, he was fine. Hmm. Yeah. Describe your dad and your quarter horse career. Well, it started off mom and dad just riding for pleasure, you know, through the country. And um, then they began to go to little shows where, you know, my dad at first had... Believe it or not, a barrel horse where you would run and circle the three barrels and see who does it in the fast time. And they had one called uh, Wand Weaving, and it had uh, whole Folger coffee cans and had concrete in them with about six foot or eight foot poles up high. And they had them stretched out about six feet apart, and who could weave in and out of those and back. And um, pleasure horses where you just go in and show how your horse would walk, trot, and do that the best and get the right leads and all that kind of thing and then it just kind of moved up into um, then we began to uh, mom and dad would both show 
My mom would show in the ladies' pleasure class. My dad would show in the uh, uh, men's pleasure class and and have his game horses, we called them, too. We kind of moved up. As dad said, we came out of the frying pan into the fire. We got a cutting horse. So my dad began to show cutting horses, and I would still show uh, junior pleasure as a kid. And my mom would show ladies pleasure, another horse. And so we would go to all the county fairs around the state of Illinois and met a lot of friends from all over the country and really enjoyed that. It was kind of a release for all my mom and dad and myself to get away from the farm and to uh, have some fun um, because when we were on the farm, things were uh, very serious, especially with my uh, grandfather Payne. He kind of was the boss, kind of. And uh, so we would always kind of sneak off and that was our time together to have a good time. And then my dad did the last step right into the fire with uh, race horses, quarter horse racing. And uh, that was that was exciting and everything. But uh, like my dad said one time, when you're showing your own horse, you pretty well have control. Uh, if you goof up and make a mistake, that's your fault. And you know it was an honest mistake or whatever. But when you have a racehorse, you have no control. And back then, sometimes you would have jockeys who would actually throw a race. Uh, maybe paid, now this sounds awful, but happened all the time, paid by someone else, you know, just to hold back on your horse or something, or maybe the rider just didn't care. It was just a job for him. Um, and so you had no control, and that was very frustrating, I think, for all of us watching. Then got even crazier. Then they began to train horses. They would train and break horses. and That, and I remember uh, losing one. Uh, the cutting horse that we had was kind of a matriarch, kind of like maybe how the thoroughbred racers think of their horses, you know, and build a statue in the front yard. We probably would have done that if we could have. His name was Straubaus Jr., and my mom and dad were gone over in Indiana or someplace or Ohio judging a horse show. And um, I was in charge of going out at home at the farm and making sure all the horses were fed and everything was done. And I would turn them out. We had an indoor arena, and I would turn each one of them out, you know, every couple of days and let them run inside the pen. And so I went down to let uh, Junior out, and um, he was just running and playing. And um, we always kind of, like, played with him, you know, run at him and clap your hands, and they played like kids. And um, when I went back outside... He was, uh, and came back to the barn to put him up. He was kind of standing with his head really low to the ground, and he was backing up every step or two. And I thought, what is wrong? And then he would come over, walk over to me, and nuzzle me, you know, with his head and his nose. And I thought, that's really strange. You know? And then he just kind of sway back and forth and back up. And I thought, oh, golly, this guy's in pain, and he's telling me he's in pain. You know, so I called the vet, and 
the vet came over and he had a twist, twisted intestine. They just decided that he, he was hurting so bad that they just put him down. And so that was just horrible because I was left there, you know, waiting for mom, mom and dad to get home. Your mother also said that during your uh, show meets, um, your dad's writer of choice was you. Oh, <laughs> we had a theme because um, we had a pleasure horse that all three of us rode the same horse in three different classes, which people just hated to see us come because our horse was very good. So they didn't like it that we could show it on three classes the same horse. His name was Roy's Red Boy. My dad could show him perfectly, and my mom was very good at showing him and getting in the right lead. I mean, when you were going around the arena to your right, your horse had to lead with the right leg. When you went to the left, it had to lead. And then every once in a while, when you would be going the right way, and your horse was leading with the right leg, and then all of a sudden they say, stop, turn around, and kick off into a canter the other way. You had to make sure that the horse came up with the left foot first. If not, the judge would see it and you were done and you were pulled into the middle. Well, <laughs> every once in a while, I would not be, you used to uh, like tap them on the side that they were supposed to pick up a foot. And they learned that very quickly, that when you tapped them, that was the leg that was to come up and go. Every once in a while, I would miss it or my horse would miss the signal or something. And uh, I'd look down, and, you know, if you were looking down and you turned around, the judge was always in the middle of the arena looking around, trying to catch somebody real quick because the minute he asked for him to catch her, he was spinning looking for a wrong lead so he could eliminate people. And so even if they saw you looking down, they would glance down because what are you looking at? Sometimes I wouldn't catch it fast enough. And so my dad was always be outside the arena, and he says, I'm going to whistle. And when, you, when I whistle you know, to switch leads real quick. And so that was our signal. So it got to the point, this horse was so smart that he would hear the whistle and he would stop and change. <laughs> and sometimes before I was ready and I was going forward because the whistle was still coming through my ears, you know. And then he also became very smart because he knew, I swear to you, what the announcer was saying, because the announcer would usually go through your things. It would be walk. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would trot your horses. And then about the time when he would hear the voice of the announcer come on and say, now, he would be gone in a canter. He knew that it was walk. And then when they came back on, he would hear the button click, and the announcer say, ladies and gentlemen, my horse would stop. And I meant you had to kind of have your hand resting hard on your leg. Otherwise, you were going to be up on his neck. I mean, he would just stop. So it got to the point to where my dad got cotton. And we put brown shoe polish on it. <laughs> and we stuck it in his ears. Mm. So he could not hear the announcer. And then we were fine. But as long as no one knew that we had this cotton <laughs> stuffed in this horse's ears, because he, it, it's so repetitious that they become sour, mm. like barn sour, you would say. They always, they know when you're done, they want to go to, and we had to lead this horse in to the arena and get on it. 
and before we left the arena, because usually you just all walk out, instead of leaving the arena on him, we would pull him off the side, get off your horse, and lead him out, so that he knew that you would not be leaving the arena until you had dismounted from him. Because otherwise, you would be going around the circle, and you would see a lot of them when they headed for the gate around the circle. You would see them just go real fast because they wanted to get out and go. And then they'd slow down on the other side, and then here they'd race, and you have no control, and you're sitting up here pulling. So some horses get very tuned to it, you know. That's the reason they say you have to watch when you go on a trail ride. There are some horses that... They have been on this so many times that they probably got their eyes closed the whole time they're on a trail ride. And they know when they turn back from home and some of them want to get home and they'll just take off with you and you can't do anything about it. They're gone. Do uh, horses have eyelids? Yeah. They can close their eyes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have eyelids. I've never seen a... Horses eyes shut? No. Well, I don't think I have either, but yes, they have eyelids because they blink. <laughs> you guys win a lot of ribbons? Yes, won a lot of ribbons. My dad won a lot of trophies, cutting horse trophies. He was Illinois state champion with Strawboss Jr., and he also, there was a tri-state thing where we had to travel three different states, and you were gone all summer long which made it difficult being a farmer and everything. So we put a lot of miles fast on a truck and horse trailer. Yes, he won. Uh, he was state champion. He was the Illinois champion, um, Illinois champion pleasure horse. Yeah, he got a lot of nice awards. The Vail Prophet Queen one time presented in Missouri, presented him with a trophy. That was a big deal. The Vail Prophet organization every year would put on a uh, quarter horse show. And in that quarter horse show, they always had an exhibition for cutting horses. And you were invited to come and participate. You had to pay to participate, but you were invited to come. That's what it was. September 4th is a special day for Kodak. In 1888, George Eastman introduced the first Kodak camera. And you mentioned that a while ago. Uh, yes, I remember how it was. It was a little box. And then you got the attachment for the flash, and you had to put one in and flash it. And yeah, a lot of work. Mm. A lot of work. It's sure progressed since then. Mm, my man. Uh, in September of uh, 1942, what were the most popular girls' and boys' names for babies? Oh, my gosh. Probably... Paula, Mary. Mary is right. Mary is Mary. a girl. Uh, what about the boy? Sandra. Uh, boys, I would say Jim. Uh-huh. <laughs> James was it. You got that, uh, right? Yeah. You had a Mary Taylor. And uh, wasn't there a Mary that you had a friend? Yes, Mary Monroe. A Mary Monroe. Mary Monroe, beautiful girl. Paula Tate, as I thought of her name, Sandra Smith. Um, Barbara, names like that, Susan, you know. Yeah. Of course, you didn't know any James either, did you? James, no, I knew a Jim. I knew um, Richard. I knew Larry's. I knew Billy Bob's. Need uh, Paul's. Just very common names. But uncommon people. Yes. Okay, darling, this is your birthday. 
You get whatever you want. Name it. Okay. I'm just going to do ask for nothing. I may ask for air fryer. You want to go get it? I may. Yeah, we may do that later. Yeah. yeah. So what is it? Another way to eat a little healthier. And since we're uh, in our old age getting a little stomach irritations. I love veggies, but I'm not the best cook of veggies without putting a lot of oil too much, I think, in them. So this kind of air fries them. They makes them very crisp, just like they have been fried, but there's no oil. Things like that, that's really bad for you. My daughter, Samantha, has one, and she uses it all the time. And then Kimberly, she got one, and she's using hers now almost every day, I think. And so... I'm, I'm going to get one and try it. I certainly do not have room for it on my cabinet. What the heck? So this is it, darling. This is your birthday. Enjoy. Bye, Joby. <laughs>